Hello and welcome. This is Country Road Confidential at Earsports.com, part of the Paramount Plus Network. Oh, no, Chris. <laughs> Look what happened to me. You've been you've been brainwashed, Mike. You've been brainwashed. Three more days of this. Uh, the odds of March. More. Two, two. Well, we extended into March, though. Oh, yeah. Like the carrot for people. And I got clarification on the March Madness thing. Um, since CBS and Turner share the March Madness properties, um, basically all your March Madness stuff will be available on Paramount+. Plus. So if you are a cord cutter and you are going to miss the March Madness and you can't go to a bar that has 17 televisions this year, you can, but you don't want to. You can't watch all the games. You got a laptop or you got an HDMI cord, you can pretty much watch any game that will be on those, from what I understand. Um I can't believe they haven't hammered that as a major selling point, but that seems to be a reality that March Madness, CBS, Turner, you're going to be able to watch games through the Paramount Plus app. And um, I know I have it tattooed on the inside of my forehead here, but uh, hmm, $4.48 for Paramount Plus and you get us for free. Or is it us for $4.48 of Paramount Plus for free? What's the better pitch? I, I don't I don't want to answer that because it might hurt my fragile ego. Mike, I really don't want to answer that. <laughs> well, either way, the reality is that until March 3rd, you can you can get this Paramount Plus thing. And, and like the funny thing is that these entertainment blogs um, and websites, they keep updating things that are going to be offered that Paramount Plus has slowly rolled out. They had this big like upfront last week where they kind of went over everything. And even since then, like more ideas have come out, too. And not just a Frasier reboot, which I'm very worried about, concerned Got to handle that legacy with gloves. Well, as I say, I think uh, maybe we should have got more of a heads up about what all this was included because we started pitching this a week or so ago, and and every single day we're like, oh yeah, and there's also this. Oh, and there's also this. Oh, it's also commercial free, and it includes this and thousands of movies. And then they had a streaming event announcing even more. So, um, it's an amazing deal. A ton of West Virginia fans have have signed up. Uh, you know, we don't proprietary info on on exactly how many but I, I have noted that you know we're right there in the top three with uh texas and michigan and arkansas by the way yeah kudos to arkansas <laughs> uh but we're fighting let's just say arkansas is way on the lead but we're fighting with texas and michigan for for the number two spot here in those aren't those aren't teams that i want to lose to so uh let's pull it together let's finish strong and please take advantage of this i mean it, it's a crazy deal i Still am in shock that they're offering it. I'm not sure how it all works out um, for the parent company. But, uh, you know, when corporate says do something, Mike and I do it. That's I think they've intentionally not given us the information so that we keep having to come back and saying, by the way, they have this, <laughs> by the way, they have this. And like, which is not, not a bad idea. Yeah. And then I, I just I caught some of the soccer stuff. I'm a, I'm a big soccer fan. It's really weird <laughs> because like. They don't have resources dedicated to it. I don't mean CBS, but like they have like plugged in a microphone and a camera in some of these places. And there's, the production isn't great, but you're watching a game that you would never be able to get on a screen anywhere else. And that's been kind of fun, too. And then the Masters is involved. Mm -hmm. I wasn't aware of that. But that's a CBS thing, too. But like I'm, I'm curious there because like on DirecTV, you get like the different channels that have all that. I'm not sure they'll do that, but I'm, I'm sure that you're going to be able to get something on CBS. Excuse me, Paramount Plus. You can't get on basic cable or, or generic connection there and then if you don't do it now that what they say end of november is the next time like 
Black Friday? I don't even know then. Yeah, maybe Black Friday. I think that's, you know, obviously Black Friday, Cyber Monday, we run a big deal. But um, this is the first time we've run this type of deal. And I don't, maybe that's when they'll run it again. So, yeah, again, I, I think we've mentioned here before, too often we run a, a crazy deal. And then two days after we run it, I got people asking if they can get on it. The answer is no. I mean, I can't, I don't have control over that. Mike doesn't have control over that. And we certainly won't this time around with, with this deal. So yep. be sure to hop on while you still can. So extend it from the shortest month, three more days into March to make sure that those stragglers who always come the day after have another three day net to work with there. And, and here we go. But um, also here we go. 5 p.m. Game, game, which is beautiful. Baylor, number three. West Virginia, number five or six. I did this math in my head here. Um, it's the eighth time you'll have a top 10 matchup not in the Coliseum, in Morgantown. I think it's six in the Coliseum. Five, no, seven in the Coliseum. The sixth one under Huggins, two top ten teams. Uh, second one against Baylor. Um, increasingly common, but, man, it's still a cool thing to have in March two top ten teams playing. I mean, let's let's be open here. There's a one seed online for one of these teams, maybe both, too. And I don't know. I feel like West Virginia has been waiting to play this game for months now. It's only been weeks and weeks, but still. Uh, Baylor limps in a little bit. West Virginia is in that conversation of best teams going, not named Gonzaga right now. So it'll be a lot of fun. Yeah. When we did the podcast last week, we discussed, you know, hey, West Virginia's got to stay on the three line, try to get to the two line, just avoid the four line. Um, With everything that happened last week, I I mean, there's some obviously some things that need to happen again this week, kind of just as, as wild as last week. But say West Virginia beats Baylor and then maybe gets Baylor again in the big 12 tournament finishes out strong. They might be a one seed. Like I think they have a legitimate argument, especially if they finish as strong as they did with as many quad ones as they went uh, or did and no quad two, three or four losses. Although Oklahoma is right there on that border, but man, um, I was not expecting that. You You know, a lot of, a lot of strange outcomes the last few days and, all working very well for West Virginia seating. A bit of cannibalism going on in the Big Tw- Big Ten, which helps. Yeah, I'm just looking at the remaining schedules here. Michigan has Illinois, and then two against Michigan, two against Michigan State. I'm the one who says that it's hard to win back to backs. Oklahoma State went the distance and more to prove that's not true, but it's still hard to do, especially in a rivalry. Even though Oklahoma State proved that not to be the case. Um, Illinois has two games left against good teams: Ohio State and. Michigan, it's going to be hard for these teams to get there. And then, again, only only two can get to the finals. Only one can win. Um, I'm trying to figure out the one stuff here, and I tried to do this on the board yesterday. Tell me what you think. Gonzaga's a no matter what, I think. Yeah. Obviously. Piping hot take there. I don't have anybody else's a no matter what. I think that the everything I just explained about the Big Ten, that could make it dicey for Michigan and Illinois. I can't get them no matter what's yet. Ohio State's kind of struggled. So, certainly, one of those two, maybe both those two, could get in there. Um I don't know how that would work. It would probably have to be Illinois beats Michigan. Michigan wins the Big Ten over Illinois, something like that. And then, I don't know, ACC team getting a one seed? Pac-12 team getting a one seed? No. So then it would be West Virginia in TCOB mode. Either loses to Baylor and then beats Baylor in the Big 12 tournament championship or wins out. I got to think that one or two of the remaining 
two or three one seeds comes from Baylor, West Virginia, provided that they both do what they have to do. There's a crop of teams that could play themselves into one. There's only one guarantee right now, but you're really talking about three number one seeds and six teams maybe. Right. I think you mentioned uh, Gonzaga, the one guarantee, uh, the only other guarantees I can make, and it's not teams. It's There will be a guaranteed Big Ten team as the one seed, a guaranteed Big 12 team as a one seed, and that's about it. Uh, I don't need... I don't think there's anything else we can promise, but it wouldn't shock me at all if it were um, Gonzaga, two Big Ten teams, and a Big 12 team. Or I think it, I, I'm trying to think of a scenario where West Virginia runs out the table and, and Baylor still gets a one seed. So maybe it's two Big 12 teams as, as one seeds. I think it's most likely Gonzaga, two Big Ten, and, and, and a Big 12. I mean, this is those two, two, those two conferences, the Big 12 and the Big 10 are loaded yeah yeah absolutely loaded I, I again we were just talking about cannibalism in the big 10 those guys are beating each other up same thing in the big 12 oklahoma oklahoma state those two losses for oklahoma that might make them seventh in the conference and they're going to be in the top 15 ish top 20 in the rankings uh, it, it's kind of wild haven't mentioned iowa i i guess they can make a run and get into there. I mean, if they win out, possibly, because they're going to beat some good teams to get there. Alabama, I don't... I'm going to be honest. I don't understand how Alabama is, like, consistently six or seven. Like, they're a good team. I understand that. But, like, I don't know what distinguishes them from some other teams. And let's just pick one out of thin air here, like, oh, West Virginia. Two more wins because of two more games. But West Virginia has more road wins, more neutral wins, so more road neutral wins. And just has one less quad... One win, but one more quad two. I don't yeah, know, Alabama's pretty, got a quad two and a quad three loss. Right, like, yeah. Quad three loss is gross. Yeah, That's not then, good. And there aren't many teams that don't have losses outside of – that have losses, but don't have losses outside of quad two, quad three, quad four. So, like, you're looking at some one-loss teams like Michigan, Baylor, Gonzaga, no-loss teams. They don't have one, obviously, but anybody else who has a loss has a quad two, three, four loss. All of West Virginia's losses are in quad one, so – um, so they play a lot of games there at Lawson, but not by a lot. They got beat badly once. Everything else has been pretty good, and they've been on the right side of some of those rematches. So I don't know. It's it's I don't know. Could be could be better. Could be worse. I don't know. But when you think about the conversations we were having early January, this probably gets us to some award conversations here, Chris. But this is probably about as good of an outcome as you could have imagined when we were talking about. Oh no, what did they do without Shibuya and Cottrell? Well. Which I was gonna say now, now you got me thinking. Which way do you want to go? Do you want to go with? Uh, uh, we're we're gonna kick off the mailbag now. By the way, uh, finally, early, I guess. Yeah, we're gonna, we're gonna kick it off. Um, award teams. Do you want to go that route, or do you want to go matchups? Since we're talking about all these potential one and two seeds, um, do you want to talk bad matchups? Which way do you want to go? Let's let's get the all conference stuff out of the way because I I think the other part of the conversation is much more fun. Okay. Uh, this one's from J. Mole, 1989. With one week remaining in the Big 12 regular season, who wins the conference awards and who is on the conference teams? You're up first, Mike. All right. Well, here's what we'll do then, okay? You have player of the year, newcomer of the year, freshman of the year. Um, I'm trying to think of what else here. What are the coach of the year, right? Defensive player? Yeah. I had it. I had it in front of me. I must have closed it. Um, there we go. Let's start with coach. This is probably to be determined in these final couple of games, but it's it's Drew Huggins, right? 
It has to be. I don't think there's any other debate here. If, I mean, I hate, I hate to, I hate to just squash it like that, but I think it's, it's one of those two, and it might come down to, like you said, these last couple of weeks, uh, maybe who wins this matchup, how West Virginia finishes, what happens in the. Wait, do they? They don't vote before the conference tournament, do they? They usually vote before the regular season's over, which is infuriating. Because <laughs> they have games on Sunday and they want that announcement out as soon as they can. So the season's longer than normal here. But it's going to be one of those two. I don't think there's any question that that's the case here. I think if Huggins wins his final three, it's him. If he goes two and one but beats Baylor and Baylor loses a couple, there's some sliding scale there. I wouldn't be surprised if they both win it if it somehow is a share. But, man, more importantly, the fact that, that Huggins is up in this conversation – in a week where he could win his 900th game, play for a one seed. This is just not stuff that we kind of considered was automatic um, in January. Uh, one of us, Chris, both of us, um, was very high on this team's potential in January that it could go like this. This is better than I expected. I thought that they were their ceiling was much higher. They're darn near the ceiling right now when you start talking about some of these individual awards and team achievements and, and possibilities too. So how do you get there? Have a good coach, and it hasn't been easy with some injuries and some – Obviously, some lineup finagling he's had to do just how they play. Never mind who plays. A big thirteen day pause, and they've 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 won well. They've won away from home. They've beaten good teams and haven't taken any bad losses. Um, no problem if you lose it to Drew, who's having a historic season. But I don't even think Scott Drew would be like, man, Bob Huggins didn't deserve that award this year with what he did because certainly he would. Right, and uh, again, I, I, what? Uh, okay. I, they had their COVID pause. So I'm about to say, you know, what difficulties did they face? Everybody's kind of dealing, dealing with the COVID thing. Not kind of. They all are. Um, but what difficulties as far as basketball goes did Baylor have to deal with this year? None. Like, they didn't have any injuries. They didn't have any departures. They played an extremely soft non-conference schedule. Like, embarrassingly soft. Like, Baylor football-type soft non-conference schedule. Uh, West Virginia did not. They lost guys. Um, I'm trying to think of how Huggins phrased it the other day on the Zoom call. Uh, Cottrell tears his uh, Achilles. The other guy leaves, uh, I believe is how he said it. Uh, and and West Virginia stuck with, you know, only one big man, basically, and completely, completely and totally changed their entire philosophy of everything they did on the fly, in the middle of, big, of conference play, in the toughest conference in the country, maybe second toughest. I'll let you have that argument another time, but it, like as far as actual coaching goes, and this is no offense to to, to Drew because he's done a great job. I think it's Huggins this year. I think he deserves it. I think he certainly is at worst number two on that voting list. Okay, um, I'll let you take this one then. Player of the year. That's tough. Because this uh, is going to be final week too. I think. Yeah, because it, you know, I, it was the the way the question was phrased to Huggins on the Zoom call yesterday was kind of implying that Jared Butler was going to win the award, and Huggins was extremely defensive about it. And I can't say he's wrong. I mean, Cole, Derek Culver is averaging a double double. Miles McBride is doing things that you know not a lot of other people are doing. Cade Cunningham is amazing and is r- playing even better right now than he was earlier in the year. I just don't know how you can give that to a team that's going to finish probably. Uh, they're moving up the rankings, I guess, with these last couple wins, but you know might finish fifth in the league, so that's tough. But you put me on the spot. I I would 
might lean more towards Culver, but I, I think if you're asking me to pick who I think is going to win, I think it's still going to be Butler. I think they'll still go that that route just because of how Baylor's done so far this season. Yeah, I'm with you. I think you can make a good argument for Culver no matter what. Um, I, I wonder if coaches would say he's the best big in the conference universally because McCormick's been really good lately too for a team that's been hot. And yeah. if you have that type of conversation, I wonder. Culver's been really good. Double-double in a Power 5 conference is, is obviously – estimable work but butler good finish um i don't know how you would take it from him if he just continues on what he's done so far this year so i would agree with you there but i think it's i think it's a good conversation too also any love for austin reeves i know he's not going to win it but what a year mm, he's not kidding i i wouldn't consider him for a big 12 player of the year but he is he's on my ballot for all big 12 okay so before we get into just listing off five I guess the, the the better question does West Virginia get two of those five spots? Does anybody get two? I don't know. It's tough. <laughs> it is tough. Because here's Locks: Cunningham, mm-hmm. Reeves, okay, Culver, yep, Butler, right. And then you have a lot of good players there that you've got to find a way to get in. Um, Mac McClung, Miles McBride. Um, Teague Baylor, Jones, or Coleman at Texas. Who else could we put in this conversation here? Um, McCormick. Going through my head here, like that, that's five more good players for one yeah. spot. Um, I don't, I don't know who the fifth best player is. I think those four that I mentioned are are really obvious picks. And like, if I had to pick a fifth, it'd be hard not to put McCormick in right now. Um. He's just been great in Big 12 play. But you're also leaving out T. You're leaving out McBride. You're leaving out one of the guards of Texas. Um, Nemhart at TCU has been very good this year, too. Not yeah. a great – he's been really good this year, too. I think there's an award for him otherwise we can get to. But um, I don't know. Like, that's that's going to be tough for me. I don't know how you would do it. It's going to depend on – going to depend on, like, hey, can you have two bigs? This is more of a guard league. Um, do you have to have two from one of the best teams? And maybe is Teague better than McBride, a better player than McBride? a better season than McBride. I mean, maybe lately. Hard to tell, though, because Baylor hasn't played. So so who knows? Um, that's so hard. I think four are really obvious picks. A fifth one, it's going to be difficult, and you're going to have some good players who are left out. So Mike goes McCormick. I guess that answers the question of whether the two bigs was a failed experiment or not. I guess uh, Mike, Mike likes the two big look, going with McCormack and Culver. It'd be tough not to. Like His, his, numbers, his numbers in Big 12 play are like striking, if I can find them here. Um, he looked he looked amazing against Baylor. Yeah, like he he was the difference maker. You know, Huggs talked about that about how they Kansas just had the ability to kind of push up on out on the perimeter on defense because they just knew McCormick was going to be back there doing everything he needed to do. And and it's it's true. Like he was he was outstanding in that game. Fourteen and a half points, six and a half rebounds, one point two blocks in Big Twelve play. Um, not a lot of rebounds. So, I mean, again, if you're picking one or the other, d- just to be honest, I, I, I think McClung is going to be your fifth pick. I mean, that's that's the top scorer in the conference. So I don't know how you couldn't have him in there when you look at stuff like that. His team has been pretty good. He's made a major difference. But again, there might be another award for him, too. In fact, there is another award for him. So I don't know. It might not be him. It's going to be really interesting how that voting goes. I'm, I'm going to plug in to see how that one works. Um, quickly go to the other ones here, um, if I can find it now. Um, defensive player of the year? Uh, 
I'll answer it. It's Davion Mitchell. Okay. From Baylor. Maybe Mark Vidal. If I'll not, take your word. I'll take your word for it. If I... not, there's two other guys on Baylor who can. You're right. Uh, newcomer of the year, McClung. Mm-hmm. Freshman of the year, Cunningham. Yeah. Here's where it gets interesting. Six man most improved. You really could have Taz mm-hmm. as six man and McBride as most improved. Mm. Nemhar might also be most improved too, I want to say. And Reeves is up there as well. But like six man, Sherman leads the bench players in scoring, even though he's he started a couple of times. But I think of all the top scorers in the conference, he's the one who's played by far the most bench games. Um and McBride is just way, way better than he was last year. And he was good last year, but he's way better this year. I think that's another interesting conversation. That that just involves a West Virginia perspective. It could be other people, um, just different candidates. I don't think there's another consistent six-man who's been as as regular off the bench as Sherman. That almost seems like a lock to me. Most improved could be a bunch of different players. Yeah, that that's one of those eye of the beholder type things where guys will look at it a bunch of different ways because for me – you mentioned McBride. Yeah, has he gotten better? Absolutely. I thought, he, and you obviously, and so do I, I thought he was pretty darn good last year. So for me, it almost disqualifies him from that award, and I think it probably will for a lot of people too. They won't even think about him just because they probably thought he was good last year, but um, he has absolutely gotten a lot better than he was <laughs> last season. So All right, so there's our preview there of awards and everything, and then there's some intrigue there. Um, Keeping it just to five, like the Big 12 – is rare like that. Some other conferences, six, seven, eight people, like an eight-man rotation or top four and then five within a range or whatever. And the Big East used to have like 10 and like 18 teams. So there was probably a good reason for that. But hey, 10 teams, five players, first team, second team, third team. I like that. Very simple. Yeah. Uh, the second part of that question that, that we were just discussing was, you know, about the, the top seeded teams. And and we had a couple questions related to this. Uh, this, this question in particular Came from Kuzapalooza. Uh, generally speaking, have you seen any other contenders this year that you think would be a very good matchup for WVU in March or a very bad matchup for WVU in March? So you know what I did? I started looking at like possible 14 and 15 seeds because <laughs> I read the question wrong, I think. And I was looking at stuff and I was like, oh, man. So I do have some teams to look at if they do get that two or three and they're in a 14 or 15 range. Watch out for uh, Akron. No, I'm sorry. Toledo. Watch out for Toledo. Veteran team with good young players score a lot. Have you seen Southern Utah University, Chris? <laughs> I can't say that I have. You don't want to see them if you're a two. They score and score. They run, they run. They have a bunch of players who shoot north of 40%. They're mid-80s in points. They score an awful lot. They play fast, and they are an oddly efficient defensive team that can they're kind of long and, and match up a little bit. To, um, it's a different world. I get that. They're in the big sky, I think, but... If they're a 15 in there because they win their conference or whatever and from the small conference and not a great resume because they just don't get a lot of opponents out there that can play or will play them, but they're tough. They score a lot of points too. Uh, and then I read the question again and I got to what it was supposed to be, and this is probably where we're going to go here, but since I've already spoken, start us off here. Matchup issues, concerns. What does a team look like? That's in, let's Forget the, the, the name of the jersey so far, but like the lineup on the floor or whatever. What's like a general thumbprint of a team that would give West Virginia trouble? Somebody that has a big man that can bang with Derek Culver. Yep. And somebody that has other players that will rebound and crash the boards. Because I think this team is susceptible to uh, uh, to an opponent that has, say, three guys. I'm getting oddly specific here because I have one team very much in mind. But 
that that has multiple guys, two, three, four guys that will crash the board hard and and really pick up boards, even when say Culver and their big man are battling, and the other guys swoop in and grab the boards. Because I think West Virginia against these better teams might be that might be a game where you know West Virginia loses by four and they were out rebounded by twelve because of this. And the first team that comes to mind, Michigan. Yeah. Um, they got Dickinson down low, big, big, big center that. Uh, can can bang with Culver, um, might keep him occupied, you know, again, say on the glass. But then they got just wings that come in. I mean, they have two other players averaging over six rebounds a game uh, in uh, Livers and Wagner. Uh, wait, is this Wagner or Wagner? Is this Wagner. Like Mo? Wagner. Yeah. Um, and, I, you know, watching them play, I can see them – really kind of just wearing on Culver and just throwing bodies at him and eventually wearing him down and, you know, getting him in foul trouble, causing issues, and then just dominating West Virginia on the glass. I think that is the biggest issue West Virginia has heading into postseason play are, are teams that can do that, teams that – because once you get past Culver, and this is not an offense to Gabe, he's done an amazing job for what he's been asked to do, but Gabe can't bang with a 6'10", 250-pound big man. It's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, he can pest him, pester him. And he can bother him. He can cause all sorts of issues. But that's not something you want to have with with Culver and Foul Trevor worn out just from getting uh, beat up by a bunch of big men. Yeah, um, I'm going to stick in the same conference. Illinois is huge. Yeah, they're just an enormous team. Cockburn's the one they obviously get a lot of attention, but they have other six, ten, seven footers that they run out there that can do damage. And I'm not sure they play a lot of the two bigs, whatever. But they have those wings that come in. Um, that's that's an obvious one for me. Michigan's a good one. If you look down the line, there's some other ones here that are going to be, again, this could be maybe later on in the tournament, but like Houston is kind of a sneaky team. And that they kind of play themselves out of a one conversation with that loss to Wichita State. But they're they're one seed good, and their metrics back it up. And they rebound like crazy, and they're good. So that's later on in the tournament. You wouldn't think so, but they're up there. Um, I don't know if it'd be like a 7-10 game or whatever that maybe they sneak out. St. Louis is big and rebounds well. Uh, Travis Ford is the coach there. They're good at that, too. And then, uh, you know, other teams you don't think about that are, again, issues that could be stuff. And, again, I'm looking future matchups here, not necessarily into the Elite Eight Final Four, where, you know, obviously everybody's good. But LSU is kind of long and fast. I'm not sure they'll get in, but if they are, they are gonna they might be in that first weekend, second round kind of matchup. That's one to watch there, too. Uh, USC is very big and very athletic, and people haven't seen them very much. When you watch them, they look just different than a lot of the teams they're playing. Those two Mobleys, one six ten, one seven foot. Um, they play hard. They play really well. Um, there, there's a bunch of teams out there, but I'm with you. That one guy who can who can just hit Culver and and give him trouble, and then someone else who can come in and give you three or four fouls, and then someone else who maybe can come in and give you two, or just like give your big that's really good a rest. I think you have to have like a premier center, either offensively or defensively, someone who's going to be active on one end or both to challenge Culver and to frustrate him. Um, the one thing about Culver we have not seen much of lately, but we know it's in there, is that he can get flustered. So, you know, they haven't vanquished Oklahoma yet, but he did get the better of Oklahoma in that second matchup. He hasn't really come unglued or unplugged lately, where sometimes he gets a little bit flustered and you got to sit him down for a while. Point is, that's your quick scouting report on West Virginia. Go at the big guy, hit him, hip him, shoulder him, foul him for a half and see what happens. Can he hang in there? Can he stay plugged in? And if your first guy can't do it, bring in another guy and another guy, but also make Culver work on that defensive end. Um, 
very quietly, he's dipped on defense this year. He was not a rim protector, but he was a good defensive rebounder, and he could help and shift and even be drawn out in the perimeter. I don't know what's happening there, but maybe they don't want him doing a lot of that because of foul trouble and the, the lack of players behind him there, which is understandable. But, I mean, they avoid playing him on defense in the end of games, which is very curious to me. So, again, a guy who can matter on defense, but I think just as importantly, a guy who can work on offense. That's like, even you know, like a guy like, um, I'm trying to think of some players here. Um, let's think. Who would be a good example here? I don't know. Just like old school players in the post who are going to make him work that you wouldn't think much of. Purdue's got a really good center, too, that does kind of stuff like that, too. So matchups for sure are what it's all about. But if you can get a guy who can make Culver work on both ends, but definitely on the defensive end where he hasn't been great, that's an issue. A, a concern. Issue's too strong. <laughs> yeah. Um, speaking of bigs, I guess we'll, we'll lead right into Yidio's question here. Considering how much better the basketball team is playing right now compared to December or even last year, was the two-big lineup a failed experiment? This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. So we need an A or an F here, right? This is a yes or no question. Uh, I was going to say, that's what it sounds like to me. We're not grading on a scale. Pass, fail. Yes. Okay. Good. Would, they be, would, they, would we be having this conversation right now? No, I think not, I think if, if they were still going with the two big lineup, we'd be talking about West Virginia as a five or a six seed, solidly in the tournament, a little bit disappointed, and, and so on. And then you'd be like, like, man, why wasn't McNeil as good as we thought, or why hasn't Sherman gotten to be what we thought he'd be? And man, they can't get bridges on the floor. What are we talking about? How good Sherman and McNeil have become? Oh my gosh, they gave, they gave Bridges playing time, and the guy hasn't missed in two weeks, right? Um, that's the effect of taking one guy out the floor, but taking his minutes out of the lineup too and spreading them out to other people too. It's been a net positive for sure. Let's transition uh, from basketball to facilities and then into football in a second to finish things off. Uh, this one from Crowtown here. What do you guys see as the next areas for facilities improvements for football and basketball programs? The press box at uh, the stadium is needing an overhaul for 20 years. Mike? All right, so my long and short here, because you'll have, I think you'll have the right answer for football. Basketball, I don't know what you can do. They have a practice facility. They have new seats. They have a super scoreboard. That thing, that's the first time I've seen it um, on Saturday when I was there. It's amazing. You you, kind of take your eyes off the floor to watch that during the game. Um, and, And then I'm sure there's some infrastructure things, but like at the Coliseum, Basketball gets and has what it wants. I don't know what else there is. Um, they have all the training and the medicine and the nutrition and the diet and the training, uh, whatever whatever luxuries they need, they pretty much have. Now, could they have their own jet? Maybe. 
but they still charter, right? So that's okay. Like, I don't know, could they have an air pad on the on the campus so they can helicopter to Clarksburg instead of bus? Maybe. Like, that's way down the, the, the pipe dream conversation here, too. Football, similar. I mean, short of a full-blown IPF, I'm not sure what they can realistically do for football. They don't already have. Like, they've done a lot of work in there, too, and made things look better and newer and fresher and shinier. Um, so then it becomes like, what can we do for recruiting purposes? You have some ideas on that, including inside that shell building, not shell building, the IPF that they have now, which are pretty good. We've been over this before, too. But um, I don't think they're going to invest in suites for either venue because I don't think that they believe in the ROI. And the press box, stop calling it that. <laughs> That's not what they care about. They don't care about that. If they blow that thing up, it's going to be because they think they can sell suites. They have commitments to sell suites. And they'll put the press, you know, in some corner of an end zone or some subterranean room or something like that. It won't be a press box. It'll be the donor's name uh, auxiliary skybox or something like that. Because uh, <laughs> we, ha- we haven't had a press row in basketball for a year. We had a press row. We haven't had a press room in basketball for years. They took out the Jerry West Lounge, which is where we used to work. And we just kind of work on press row, which is fine. That's probably how they did in the old days. But, like, it gets loud in there. You get people who are coming up to, to you after a game, before a game, during a game. You can't get a lot of work done. They have one dedicated room upstairs. It's far from where you want to be. And it's it's not very conducive to if you have to podcast or edit video or audio or whatever. So the fact that they haven't really red flagged that in the past five or six years makes you think that they're not doing anything for the press of football. Um, would they have a better, cleaner, nicer area for the lounge for the press? Maybe. But what they have now is good. But we're talking about blowing it up and doing something different because they don't have enough space, enough luxuries to accommodate big dollar bill donors. So um, I don't know what they can do in either one. I'm sure there's small things, jet, helipad, uh, full-blown IPF for football. Those are just things that aren't going to happen. Small things, possibly. What do you think? Yeah, so... Well, you, you, you touched on it there. My, my answer would have been or was previously, you know, the indoor practice facility, and that's just not going to happen. And, and that became abundantly clear when, you know, they made adjustments to it. They did some fixes on it. And because my answer, if you would have asked me this year and a half, two years ago, the answer was a complete and total overhaul of the indoor practice facility. I mean, I, ideas that were in my mind were for, because if you're not familiar with it, there's the stadium. There's a parking lot, which is typically for coaches, players, uh, you know, staff members, people in the athletic department. And the indoor practice facility is off in that to the side of that parking lot. And there's it's not connected to the stadium, to to the Puskov Center. So you have to go outside to get to each one, which whatever, it's it's 50 feet. But in my mind, I was picturing something almost like a full, complete upgrade of that practice facility attached to the stadium in that one corner because i don't really see the purpose of having to you know access to the back there to the press box maybe there's something with the safety and and the fire marshal and all that but uh connecting that over to that tunnel over to you know the weight room and the locker room and all that stuff the guys never have to go outside never have to go anywhere but there's issues with that you know we've had some architectural and engineering people mention it uh, about what they're actually capable of building right there because of soil and because of how, how big you can make something, how much concrete and uh, all that stuff way out of my pay grade stuff. I hardly understand, but um, it became clear that they weren't going to go that route because they kind of just going to sound like this is, it's a little too negative. I was about to say sl- slap lipstick on a pig, 
um, by, by, you know, uh, updating and, and re, you know, they dug up the whole ground and, and put in new turf and everything and um, put some new stuff on the inside, put some new steps and a new statue on the outside. It kind of, you know, dolled it up a little bit and they're not going to do that and then tear it all down and do a complete rebuild. Like I thought they, um, you know, was the bit, next big thing to do. So I, like you, I don't know where to go on this. Where What's the next step? What's the next big thing? Because the inside of the facilities, which fans aren't really going to see, are up there. You know, they're up there with with some of the best in the league now. They were terrible before, and now they're up there. Basketball, I mean, <laughs> that practice facility for basketball and everything they have over there is amazing. Mm-hmm. So where do you go? Everything just got new new scoreboards, new screens, new seats, new all that. So um, they're doing a good job of keeping things up. And my only answer would have been the indoor practice facility, and that's not happening. So that's where we are. Scoreboard inside the practice facility for football, though, right? Video. Yeah, yeah, we yeah we talked about that about how them adding that in for recruiting purposes, for film review, for everything where they they take the guys in there. They can have the football team, or they can have recruiting stuff because they often have um, when they do recruiting visits, they have that they, they will set up picnics and dinners and showcases and all this stuff out in the middle of the field. If the weather doesn't cooperate, they have to move it to the indoor practice facility. And right now you move to the indoor practice facility and you're just staring at a bunch of concrete walls in an old musty building. And that's not ideal. Uh, so yeah, adding a little something to perk things up in the inside there to help for recruiting, to help with your team. Cause you're going to take your team in there too. And that might be a good spot to watch some stuff, watch some film, go over things and, and, and work out. And so if I someone gave them keep if someone more gave and more realistic, if you will, if someone gave them a check, someone wins the Powerball and says, I have $180 million for you. Um, go build your IPF. They would do it for sure. Um, it, it's an expense thing. Like, I don't want to hear the fact that like, oh, they don't have the land. <laughs> they, they, would, they would blow up that practice facility parking lot <laughs> and put an IPF there if they could, right? Like they would find a way to make it work with the architecture. Yeah, because I think you could make it work where you would have like a parking deck with the parking garage even. Like if, you know, if you're truly concerned about that parking lot and the parking for, because what are we talking about over there? A couple hundred spots for like staffers and players and stuff. I mean, they need it. They need those spots, but it's not like we're talking, you know, a tailgating scene for large donors or something like that. Some. But they also sell those as part of the season ticket packages. I forget what the, the color of blue it is. It's like the light blue or or midnight blue or whatever, some type of blue lot. But like that's there's high money attached to that. So people do park there. Mostly it's players and families and coaches during the week. Um, but again, like if they had to make that go away, they wouldn't care about like the civilian population. <laughs> they wouldn't. They'd be like, no, we're going to have this IPF and like we'll put a we'll build a parking garage or some type of auxiliary parking for our coaches and players as part of this facility. But like, it's, it's the money, like that whole thing about engineering it. That's, that always made me laugh. It's like a great thing to hide behind, but that's not realistic at all. Come on. Let, let's be serious. Serious. Like if they had the means to do it, they would, they would literally move earth to make it happen. And they just, they can't because they can't move it on. Which is a to... very common problem in college athletics. Like yeah. if they had the magic wand, they would do it, but they don't. So that's what you have to figure out. Um, more football. Let's. Uh, I want to save the spring football one for last because I think we can talk about that more. Uh, this one's from Chestnuts. Uh, by the end of their careers, which Spring Valley kid has the biggest impact? Nestor, Milam, or Page? 
I'm sorry. Are you done with the multiple choice? Where's, I knew where's you were going to do this. Where's D? All right. Go ahead. Give me D. Say none of the above. Well, I mean, what do you do without a holder? What, you're what, not what, wrong. Happens, what happens in your extra points of field goals? Like, is it, you're just Charlie Brown in it? And then what if he's your punt returner this year? And like your, your second slot receiver, Malashevich. So far, that's the correct answer. Right. Give me Grayson. He got, he's got a little head start on everybody. And, and that's what leads me to my pick. Um, I guess the safe pick is Nestor because he's already got a head start. I think Milam's got a, a tremendous ceiling. I've talked about it a thousand times. I think Paige is you know, young and, and everybody's really intrigued by what he can do and where he might even end up. But that's, that's the thing. We don't know where Paige is going to end up. Is he going to be a tackle? Is he going to be a defensive end? Is he going to be a tight end? He's capable of playing all of them, and it kind of depends on what his body does over the next two years. Uh, Milam hasn't even stepped foot on campus. Uh, he's, he's a tremendous athlete. He could be a starting you know, right or left tackle for three years. Uh, that He has that kind of potential, but still has to get here, still has to prove it, still has to develop a, his body a little bit. Nestor, we've already seen. He's already played at a high level at in Power 5 football. So I'm taking, you know, the safer pick here on this and, and saying it's going to be Nestor. September 4th, three seconds left in the fourth quarter. Evan Staley's out for a 41-yard field goal. J.P. Hadley fires a spiral back. And there's no one there to catch it. <laughs> what happens? You lose the game. But guess what? Aiden on is there. He's got it. Puts the mitts on it. Puts the ball on the ground. Staley puts it between the uprights. Everybody wins. Older. I, mean, I, don't, I, don't see, I don't see Milam returning punts. You're not wrong. He is. He is a Swiss Army knife, and it, you know I, I know your affinity for long snappers and holders are right up there with the as as just as important as long snappers um, in the in the grand scheme of things, and 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 often get overlooked. So he's. He's in, he should be in the conversation. Also, I need one of my walk-ons to hit for me here. My rankings have not done very well of late. <laughs> um, all right, let's try to finish up with this unless there's something else you got. Um, this is from NC Wayward Ear. What are you most interested in as it relates to spring football? So I'm already working on this list because, like, I, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming we won't be allowed to practice, which – by the way, does that make any sense? Like, we got fans at games and media at games. They can't put us on the sideline at practice? Is this real? I don't know. I mean, they they already, or even before all of this, had media uh, hoarded into a corner and corralled off from everybody, so I don't see why not. I mean, I guess it would be like, it would take like 10 minutes of their time to mark out like six-foot pods for one person or whatever. I mean, maybe that's too much to ask. I don't know. Let me do it. Yeah, walk out there with a spray paint can. Give me it. I'll Take go out two there. Big steps. Six feet circles for for like I don't know, fifteen people, twenty people, and let me just go and watch half an hour of practice. That's fine. Or like, let us stand on like the walkway above like like uh, something where we can watch it or whatever. Like, give us something. I'm not saying put me up on like the 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 video box like twenty feet above in the wind, but like give me a way to do it. Like, I want to see what's going on here. Like, or if it's on the practice field, that's gonna be harder. There's no above you, but like you can sit in the stands of the football stadium and watch half an hour of practice. Space it out. That's what they do for fans, right? You can only sit like clusters at a time. Got sixty thousand seats. You can't let me and eighteen others in there to watch practice. 
out of here. That's all right, Mike. You can sit on your roof with your telescope again and, and check out practice anyway. Yeah, so I might be a little bit upset about that. I just don't know how. But, again, this is what I'm saying. Like, they don't want. And it's not just West Virginia. Coaches don't want media around for spring football. They just don't. If they could do it in a vacuum, they would. Like, again, I, I joked last week, but, like, I was like, is spring football going on? Are we sure it's not? Because it could have been. Um, so I've had a list here, and, like, I have some oddities that I think are, like, probably worth watching and some obvious ones. Like, offensive line is, I think, is the answer. But that I also was... want to. Sorry, go ahead. But no, that's that's A1 to me because they have options and they have a chance to be really good, I think, and sooner than later if they get their act together. So, like, where do they put Nestor? But also, like, when Milam gets here, where does he go? So, because Milam's not here yet, right? Right, he won't be here till the fall. So, or again, summer, like, summer, someone, someone's on the spot on the right side likely, but maybe on the left side. But you better build a gap because he's going to be making strides, I think, soon. But then, like, I think at the other side, too, and I got to see Jordan Jefferson play nose and play well, I think. Um I think the Daggy's the quarterback unless he gets hurt. I, I just wonder if they can play the same and keep Green on the sideline all the time. But what do they have for him that isn't going to completely disrupt the flow on offense that Daggy frankly needs? We saw him get hot last season during the games, and maybe he's a rhythm player. So I'm not sure you can put Green in to do stuff. And we know that they've had ways to use him, and we've seen him a little bit. But, like, does that take a step forward, or is this an all-or-nothing with quarterback? Um, running back. I would not put a lot of miles on Letty Brown in the spring. But I'm also pretty sure that the number two probably isn't on campus. So, because neither running back is here yet, right? No, because uh, I was going to say, Justin Johnson, uh, speaking of one of the running backs in his class, playing <clears throat> is about to have his senior's year. Starts in a week or two. Yeah. So, what happens there? And, like, what do you do with your running game where it could be very different because your number two probably isn't here? Um, unless a Tony Mathis or... And a various sparrow has a great spring, so I want to watch that. I, I can go on and on, but like those are three that just get my attention right away. And then, I mean, every other position has something it seems like, but those are the three that have my attention. I guess four because I mentioned quarterback too. So, the answer far and away for me was offensive te- offensive line, just in general. Where where are all these guys going? Um, not only who's going to win these spots, but but where are they going to be? Who's going to be where? You know, right? We've talked about Nestor's guard tackle. Moore, Parker Moore started out as a, a guard, then went to tackle, saw some time there. So how how is this all going to work out? Who's your center? Who's your center? Uh, and, well, my center is Zach Frazier. Yeah, are think. we sure? But are you sure? He was a very good positive. left guard. Okay, positive. okay, okay. Because I don't know who the I don't know who the alternative is, but like he was a very good left guard. Uh, yeah, I think for me there wasn't much of a question. And then when Bryce Mays, although he'd been playing right tackle left, it was like very clear to me that that's what was going to happen. And but, Scott. Uh, and Scott as well, yeah. So there, there are no other options. So that's why I guess that's why it's clear. But now, I am extremely interested in cornerback and yes, and why I, man, you, you just kind of wish and hope that we could physically see it ourselves and. Because obviously, you know, the, the reason it jumps to the forefront is because Sean Miller's gone and no cornerbacks really played last year other than Fortune and Miller. That was it. Like, you know, Jackie Matthews got some snaps in the bowl game. Other than that, <clears throat> they just didn't play other cornerbacks, period. It, it was nobody else played meaningful snaps in the entire regular season. Uh, that Some of that was injury luck. That was good injury luck for West Virginia. Didn't have to. Uh 
part of that was, I'm assuming, and, and I'm assuming this just based off of what Neil Brown said, it, I believe his exact words were, it is what it is back there. And that's not encouraging. If, if it is what it is, and it is just two people playing and you can't play anybody else, that's not good. No. So I am very much, much uh, intrigued by who's going to step up, who's going to play, or if that's going to be, you know, we, we talk about how this defense could be amazing. Oh, man. And one of the big reasons why I kept saying even before last year that, that before the season started that West Virginia's defense could be amazing was because they were elite, I felt, on all three levels of the defense, and they didn't have any glaring holes. And once you open up a glaring hole, even if you have nine other amazing players, guess what? All these coordinators and coaches, they get paid millions of dollars for a reason, and that is to pick and pinpoint and pick on your weaknesses. So if West Virginia has a glaring weakness, it's not going to matter that the other nine players, you know, nine or ten players are great. If they can find, if other teams can find a weakness. So I'm very curious to see who's going to step up at that other cornerback spot. But for everything you just said about our, is media going to have access? If we do, is it going to be more than 15 minutes of stretching? Because who did, who did, you know, Neil Brown talk about a ton last year, cornerback. They're a reporter, <laughs> you know, like a lot of guys that, 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 that we just, that didn't play. And so it's, it's not, I'm not calling him a liar at all. You know, guys can look really good just especially as three freshmen and then just not be on the field. But I, I don't know if we can take whatever's out there on the surface, you know, from from school-issued practice recaps uh, as gospel. So I'm, I'm very curious what's going to happen at the cornerback spot. Um, Malinger and Wilson Lamp are defensive backs, right? Yeah. Definitely safeties? Uh, I think Wilson Lamp might be more of a corner. At least that's what he was told. So, okay. Or at least that's what he said. Oh, boy, he's six. 3190 or something like that is yeah. that right? Yeah. Okay. So I'm trying to figure out like even who the candidates are to play corner. So may, let's put him in there, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, Porter. Coley. Coley. <laughs> I'm, I'm going Maybe. to my head looking at the roster. Obviously Fortune. And then I believe it's just a collection of walk-ons. Um Jaido's a spear, but probably more of a safety for sure than a corner, right? Yeah. I don't think he messed with Taiki. Like that, Do you mess with a die? Or that, no, I, I don't think he could play corner. Um, okay. You know, I, he honestly he didn't play very much. I think he played more nickel at New Hampshire, and that's just a different level there. But he's he's too good at what he does. I think. Right. Um, I I don't know. Like the the Tyke thing interests me because because here's what is overlooked here is that Shadon Brown is new. Everybody starts over with him. Obviously, Fortune has a head start, but he's never seen any of these guys practice or play. So the difference, honestly, the difference between Porter and Vincent O'Coley and Quamazius Mosby and Malachi Ruffin ultimately may be pretty big initially it's negligible like he's just going to watch these guys play and just figure out who can go and who can do stuff especially in the spring I don't think that Ruffin and Mosby are going to be guys who play above those two guys but I, I just think that whatever Porter had going last year that didn't translate to the field just does not exist right now like Adai Jamal Adai would have a little bit more familiarity and vice versa Porter with his coach not now. So a lot of that's starting over, which means that this is going to be a little bit more equal among all the competitors. But who's coming out of there? It really looks, looks like two people, unless one of those freshmen, which brings me to this whole point about being a fresh start. If Wilson Lamps a corner, he has the same advantages as anybody else who was around last year that he might not otherwise have if the coaching staff was the same. So 
he's talented, he's fast, he's long, he can run and cover. So does the guy who was here last year, but Brown doesn't know what that guy did last year in practice. So that makes it a little bit more even, a little bit more open in the spring. So I'd be, be extremely interested to see how that goes. I suspect they're going to see Porter play really well. I think you'll see O'Colvey on the field, but I think you're going to hear like a whole bunch of names. On a side note, it's just something you said a minute ago that uh, I 100% agree with. If Letty Brown practices or get gets hit more than five times, this that's a problem. Like he needs to be, he needs to be relaxing. I think a lot this spring because I just don't think you can have him hurt. I'm with you on that. 100%. Quentin Andrews, Quentin Andrews is not on this team, and he's not not Pat White in practice or Steve Slayton in <laughs> practice or anything like that. So and starting a brawl, right. <laughs> I think that's a problem there too. Uh, another one that that just uh, so many things here. Um, I, I have no interest in receiver, to be honest with you, because uh, we're going to hear, I, I guarantee you we're going to hear how awesome they are. Mm-hmm. And don't buy it. Let me see it in, in September, October, November, if not right now. Um, pass rush, because they got to have it. Um, if their corners aren't great and their safeties are good, but like you, you can become a much better secondary with a good pass rush. And they have people, like they have guys who can do it. Like if you have Austin back, Pooler is probably a guy who has to make a jump to be like a six, seven, eight sack guy. Cowan, you have these guys who redshirted last year. Can they do something? Like there's there's candidates there on the pass rush. Obviously, um potential there for different people to do different things. I just wonder if they can get, you know, can they get Dante Stills to the quarterback? Can they get Mesador to the quarterback consistently? I wonder how they can do that. That's not necessarily like a player versus player competition or a playing time competition, but like what can develop in terms of pass rush from that front I don't know, six, whether it's four, two, three, three, whatever, like how can they manufacture pressure? Cause they they have a potential to be pretty good in different spots if they find the right people. So does that mean that like Torres Simmons or Eddie Watkins got to be able to like turn the corner? Probably not, but they can. That's great. You find that out in the spring. Can Mesador become like an eight sack guy? Um, maybe we'll see. Does, does Vesteranen do anything for you? inside or outside because he's here in the spring. You can see that. So I'm just, I'm just curious what they find out about pass rush capability. Yeah, I think that's a good one too. Uh, and I wonder how much, you know, where, like you said, where it's, where is it going to come from, but who, who's going to be schemed to kind of do those things. If it is any of it going to change with Leslie taking over, presumably more of a say, in what's going on with that defensive front. I, I'm pretty sure it'll be about the same, at least as far as the defensive front goes, but I, I don't know how that'll change, how it'll change with, with Andrew Jackson as defensive line coach. And, you know, a couple of these guys might not even be schemed to try to get pass rush. So uh, that, that could be something to watch as well. Um, you ready to wrap this up, Mike? I don't, I don't, I think again, we'll, I'll answer the rest of these questions in written form later today before the basketball game. So you'll have a chance to read it before the basketball game. Um, and cause yeah, we got, we got a lot of good questions in here. So I, I got some detailed answers for some of you, uh, that I will put up on the site. Nope. That's it. We already pitched our paramount plus. I won't say that again. Answered all the questions probably made people mad. It feels like a full robust episode. <laughs> I can't wait till you get a text later that, that you got in trouble again. Well, okay. until then, yeah, again, until then <laughs> I am Mike Kazaza and I'm Chris Anderson. We'll talk to you later.